Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your home for progressive, thought-provoking real talk in the chiropractic profession. Featuring the legends, the innovators, and the thought leaders that move our profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. everyone before we get started the forward thinking chiropractic alliance podcast is uh sponsored by actually the whole ftca is sponsored by our partners hyperice jane drop release the t-tool china gel the smart chiropractor and gestalt get just gestalt education it's a hard g there uh i don't have any sales pitches for these partners or sponsors you can look all over the ftca there's always deals the FTCA members have tons of deals and uh, discounts with these sponsors, so check them out. They support us. It's uh, it's not just about they pay money to get their name out in front of you. Uh, they provide us uh, things to give away for, for contests. They provide education. They provide content for our membership hub. They provide speakers for our events. Uh, they provide so many things just to make sure that they know that they support you, evidence-informed chiropractors, and our mission in the FTCA to make sure that we have a community for evidence-based chiropractors. So thank you very much. And I also want to add one more thing in our commercials here. On February 5th, 2022, the FTCA is going to have our first event of the year. It's, it's an online event, virtual. I know we're all tired of Zoom events and being uh, butts to seats, but we're going to talk about audience building. And Dr. Mack, we're going to talk a little bit about audience building when we get going today, uh, but we're going to have an audience building masterclass February 5th, 2022, uh, making two times available, 10 a.m. Eastern time and 10 a.m. Pacific time because we live all over the place. And it's just 82 bucks. There's a discount for FTCA members if you're in the FTCA members only Facebook group or the Discord or you get the emails as a member, you should get that discount code. And this is all about uh, letting the world know how good you are. It's a, it's a twist on marketing because marketing kind of sucks. It's, it's not what we were born to do. So instead of marketing, why don't we just build a fan club of people that really love the services we provide and the things we say, and then we can just offer them things instead of marketing things to them that they might not want. And the people that really like you and trust you, they take you up on it. Okay, so let's stop that sharing there and let's get to our guest, Dr. Melissa McDonald. A, a chiropractor, as it says on her sweatshirt. I am not wearing a branded sweatshirt, Doc, because it's cold here in Portland, Oregon, so I'm wearing my puffy coat. This is actually required uniform if you live in the Pacific Northwest, is to have a puffy coat. As someone in the Midwest, is it really cold right now where you're it's, at, no, or it are is you not just even, faking it? It is not even close to what <laughs> real cold is in the Midwest. Uh, and when I was in the Air Force, I, I, I was uh, stationed in Texas, which is the southern middle of the country it's it's it was still flyover country i'll tell you that much and the cold that it would get there like where your bones are cold and there's just no escape from the freezing uh was bad and it still wasn't even minnesota michigan north dakota south dakota it was it still wasn't wyoming it wasn't even close i'm like it's a balmy 15. <laughs> i might put a sweatshirt on today <laughs> and that's so, why i'm talking to you because you're tough you're tough and uh us West Coasters are soft, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, growing up in Michigan, now living in Minnesota, 
we actually moved south to get to the Twin Cities. So like I miss the snow. We only get like three feet here. I'm used to seeing more like 13, 14 feet of snow. So I'm just like, oh, at least it's snowing today and it's only like 15 degrees. So, hey, it's it's very warm. <laughs> yeah, I went uh, I went out for a wilderness hike yesterday and there was like two inches of snow. And everyone's like, you're crazy. You're going to die. I'm like, it's you can still see grass <laughs> underneath the snow. It's not this is going to be all right. But you're going to drive your car. By yeah. Way, if, it, if it does rain here in Portland, or if it snows in Portland, Oregon, an inch, the whole city shuts down. Absolutely shuts down. Cars it piled up a, on the side of the road. Takes about a foot to <laughs> get us to be like, oh, snap, we need to put the snow tires on. Yeah, totally. So first and foremost, tell everyone about you and your practice. Why in the world will we talk to you? What makes you so special? <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a good triggering conversation for my <laughs> imposter syndrome. So I practice in Edina, Minnesota. I own Mobility Agility Chiropractic Performance, and it's all about getting people better faster and getting them back to their regular life and keeping them that way. I don't like to run long treatment plans and keep them uh, forever and always. I like to get them in and out. Granted, a lot of my people are athletes and therefore do dumb things and then i'm there to get them back to their life and that's what i tell them i'm like hey you're all better let's get you out go do something stupid and when it happens come back and we'll get you fixed up so i run a lone wolf style practice it's just me which works out perfect for how i like to run my practice which is a little bit of chaos i work with minnesota roller derby and river city rhythms mm -hmm. So River City Rhythms is a drum corps international competitive marching band. And when they're in season, I move on site with them and it's utter chaos. And my patients are just like, oh, well, it's Dr. Mac doing Dr. Mac things. Uh, I also run a podcast called the Mac Performance Podcast. And it's a resource provided to one, my patients, but anyone in the world that I can reach out to. I started it with the mindset of in school, they always tell us to help as many people as possible. And I recognize as one person located in the Twin Cities, I can't help that many people, but a podcast has global reach, which I really felt was empowering. So I created content that could reach the entire world. Yeah, so let's break this podcast down and do, let's, let's do three categories. The two I'm going to name, and then there's a surprise a surprise category at the end. The okay. first one, let's talk about content creation. Then let's talk a little bit about lone wolf practice, because it's a topic near and dear to my heart, and I know it's near and dear to your heart as well. And then the third one we'll have to save for later. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> so content creation. You are a lone wolf provider, and you need to build a practice and sustain a practice. Does content creation help? Yes or no? Do you believe yes. it helps? Yes. Does it knock it completely out of the park where it's the answer to everything in the whole world when it comes to practice development and sustainability? No. Should it be a key foundation in every chiropractor's repertoire of promotion and marketing? Yes. Okay. So we keep that simple. Now, the next part is, does it sometimes kind of suck and can burn you down to the ground? Oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, let, let's let's just take a moment and go with the fact that prior, I was doing a really good job. I was running Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, podcasting, YouTube channel, 
blogging, making a video, and then I fried out and dyed my hair. And we can all, if anybody's watching this video, I have hot pink hair right now. My management uh. of my stress is based on what my hair looks like. The crazier it is, <laughs> the more stressed and fried I am, and I'm trying to get control. So yeah, I'm rocking too. Me the too. hot pink locks. Oh, yes, we can clearly see that, Bob. My hair totally determines <laughs> my state at any point. So I burned out <laughs> on content in September. I just... I just couldn't. It was one of those things I wanted to do it and I just, I couldn't. I was just barely clinging on. So I have reined back a lot of my content. Um, let's go with all of my content for the last, for the fourth quarter, just needed to take a break. I have noticed a decline in new patients in my office that aren't people who just know me or aren't referrals from other offices. So I've noticed a slight decline of people just kind of finding me. So I'm re-ramping up for the winter. I've already started recording episodes. I have about eight cached right now in a batch that'll start releasing on Monday. And I just, I needed to take that break to recenter. Did I work on stuff? Did I take that time? God, no. I just let myself heal, which yeah. I think was necessary. Yeah. So are you saying that when it comes to your podcast, you have a bag of tricks that is all stuffed with beautiful interviews that you do way ahead of time and then you release them as they go. Yeah, I'm oh a big batch goodness. recorder. Oh my goodness. Um, now here's here's one thing where you might have you, you might have gotten off the off the path there when it comes to what we recommend for con for content creation. Uh, especially audience building. And we cover this in this audience building masterclass we're talking about, but we cover this in the chiropractic success academy all the time too. And that's typically picking a channel, one or two outlets. And it sounds like you had like all the outlets. So you have that experience now where you did all the outlets, you should be able to uh, sort of look at some metrics or find a way to say, which, which of these outlets were the most effective for me? Or did I gain the most traction? And for you, maybe narrow it down to a couple outlets instead of all the outlets and then the burnout will be less this year yeah that that is mm -hmm. my plan i want to get back one podcasting is actually the least stressful yeah. and has the broadest reach which is really nice yes and i can check all my metrics and see where it's going and making sure that i'm staying which what's exciting for me is when i get someone that comes in and says hey my friend who lives in new york said to come see you because they listen to your podcast like right that's that's rock solid. When it comes to where I think I'm going to start focusing in on, one, TikTok is just starting to become a fun place for me to like rant on uh, side topics that I just adore. So uh -huh. that's just going to be a fun place. Instagram, podcasting are going to be my two primary. And then YouTube is where I'm going to start adding some more enhanced, just specific content that's going to be more pushed towards patients. Like, hey, I want you to do this stretching routine. Why do I want you to do this stretching routine? Because you can't go from your desk to the hockey arena at night and not expect to feel like garbage if you're not warming up. That's right. And it's really easy on YouTube to uh, unlist the links. You can create a whole exercise library of unlisted YouTube links and then start issuing out links to people. You know, here's here's your hockey stretch regime. Uh, don't share this link. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I'm go no share it, share it because if it works for someone and they feel better, 
that's perfect. But if they have a problem, who's the person they're going to come to? Yeah. The person that got them on the ice. That so, would be a statement you would put at the beginning of each video, right? <laughs> yeah. Do these, it, they're fun, but if you're hurting, you need to come see me. It is in the disclaimer. I make sure in all my videos that has that type of content of, hey, this is an FYI. And if it doesn't fix your problem, that means it's not the problem. You've self-diagnosed yourself. You probably need to some see someone with more experience. So when it comes to content creation, do you, do you also schedule out kind of the topics you want to discuss? Or is that really from the heart what you're feeling passionate about right before you discuss it? It's a little bit of both. One, I put out a call for guests and I see what topics they bring. I ask right. my listening base what they're interested in, what topics are they needing? And then sometimes I look at like, oh, February's heart health month. Okay, I'm gonna focus on heart health conscious topics to just flavor that month. Otherwise, it might just be a passion project. Sometimes I get on tangents and well, that's all we're talking about. Yeah. The, um, have you been able to leverage your audience with other podcasters or other content creators where they bring their audience to your podcast, you bring your audience to theirs, vice versa sort of stuff? Yes, I do a lot of cross-pollinating where if I'm guesting on a podcast, I will um, ask if they fit the demographic that I'm looking for. Can we trade? So I had a physical therapist last year that came on my podcast. I went on her podcast. I've had a couple other uh, episodes like that where I'll guest and then reference back. It's really worked out quite nicely for getting people to my episodes. But then probably the place that I've been picking up the most Listeners recently have just been my students that are like, hey, this is actually content I can send to my family that I can trust it and I'm not making recommendations. Yeah. Like, do I tell my students, hey, reference this? No, they they find it inadvertently searching for things or they'll ask me off of class, but it's where I'm creating content that I trust that is safe. And <clears throat> do I occasionally get the crazies? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Those become Patreon episodes where yeah, yeah. I roast my guest, but I take <laughs> out any identifiable information. Yeah. One of the concepts with audience building or content creation that I try to get people to understand is, you know, you can take this audience that you've built and you can use that as leverage, not, not just what we just talked about here, where, where you leverage it into other podcasts, you leverage it into other content, which is great. But the concept of leveraging this audience into networking, um, you know, taking saying that, you know, I have 10,000 podcast listeners, a lot of them are local people, they're a patients of mine as well, Dr. Jones, the pediatrician who, uh, you know, who's a orthopedic, whatever makeup of specialty, ortho, orthopedic specialty, specialist in young hockey players, you know, or young roller derby professionals, and you say, okay. Now, can we have a conversation with you and your audience? And then can we talk about a way to start working on referrals back and forth and how that would work? Have you been able to leverage into the real world of patient and practice growth? Yes, I actually, uh, so right above my clinic. You're like a shining example of everything <laughs> that I love about lone wolves. You are the, you are the pedestal of a lone wolf practitioner <laughs> who's living the chiropractic success academy lifestyle and all. I, I, I like you. 
<laughs> so actually right above my clinic is a massage therapy office, Return to Play Institute. And they do clinical medical massage therapy, which if I'm going to return, if I'm going to refer, I want, I don't want fluff and buff. I want fix it. So right. uh, Kevin guested on my podcast last spring and he's actually coming back <sighs> to talk about post-surgical massage. Cause right now I have a lot of athletes off season that are getting anything they need repaired and we're doing some scar work and I want to bring him on. So he's going to be one of my first episodes back in January. And we tag team patients all the time. So we schedule where, okay, I need you to see me first. Then we go upstairs. I give them. So we're trading back and forth all the time with that. Great. Would, would that be as successful without the content? No. Okay. He needed to trust he needed to trust that I had the listening base and then he's sharing it and pollinating it and building trust with his patients. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I understand <clears throat> what he's doing. So it's really helping get patients in my door. Yeah, this is interesting. This is there, There's a flywheel effect to this. So I, I talked a couple of days ago to a big time content producer, one of these sort of like Instagram famous doctors uh, who's had millions of views on YouTube, that sort of thing. And I straight up asked him, and I'm not going to name any names, so don't, don't, no one should even try to get the name out of me. I asked him, does content creation matter? A very simple question from somebody who has, who has reached the mountaintop of content creation. And he was like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, at what, what context do I have to pull out of this to make, to make sense of this for you? Like, how could you say that? And there is other contexts involved, like uh, his situation is very set up where I think in his life, if he did not create the content, he probably still would have been as successful. He had other practice situations in place that helped him get business. So I don't think he could understand the context of a quote unquote, a lone wolf or a private practitioner on their own and how they have to build a practice and build an audience and how powerful this concept is. So when I teach this to people in the CSA, it's like this, you have to have a why, you have to have a purpose. We haven't even talked about your purpose or your why yet, but that's the next question for why the hell are you doing all this stuff? It's not just to get people in the door. There's a bigger thing here. There's got to be. But once you have a why, then you have to brand that. Like you have to have a name. You have to have a place. You have to have a logo. You have to have a, a place for people to go to. And then three, yeah, you've got to have that stuff once you have the why. There's a, there's a sequential order to this. And then you build an audience around all that. But people always skip those three steps because they hear they have to network. So then they go out to network. And what do I always hear <clears throat> from people? It's like, I don't know how to network. I can't network. I don't get anything from networking. Networking doesn't work. Um, you know, I'd rather just advertise the network. Well, how's the advertising working out for you? Because uh, you don't even have an audience. So basically, you're just begging people to come see you. And it's like, until you have the other three in place, a why, a brand, and an audience, the networking is very, very, very hard. <laughs> and it feels like you're pulling teeth and you're begging. But when you can come to the table and say, I have an audience, how do you think I get speakers to speak at FTCA events? Or how do you think these partners came to us and say, oh yeah, we would like to work with you, FTCA? I could say we have a membership base of thousands of doctors. We have a membership base of hundreds, if not thousands right now, I haven't checked in a while, of students. 
we have a membership base of 10,000 uh, Facebook group members. Do you, would you like to have a discussion about how we can work together? And you'd imagine how many no's there are. Zero no's in this. In, you know, there are zero no's when you have leverage. So what we're trying to do is when we talk about building an audience, it, it has two elements to it that are very powerful. One, it allows you to have leverage to start to build your business. Two, you get to create a message around your brand that you love, that you want to talk about, that you are into. You don't have to run a script or do like, it's like, what are you passionate about? And then you get to roll with that. So you get to be roller derby. You get to be pink hair. And you can say, <laughs> and you know what? If somebody's not into pink hair, that makes it very simple, right? We're just not going to have a conversation. <laughs> and you move on. And we know this <clears throat> in the Portland, Oregon world. There is, there's two sides to Portland, Oregon, where I live. There is the pink hair side of Portland, Oregon. And there's the not pink haired side of Portland, Oregon. We all get along. It's all good. There's no hatred there but we know who we're talking to and who we're not talking to. And I don't have any hair. So it's, it gives me a great advantage that people don't know if I'm on the pink hair side or the not pink hair side. Like I'm just on the side of love. <laughs> I will say that since this is, this is weird. So colored my hair, stopped promoting everything. And outside of getting people from my social media, I have actually gotten more patience. So this is weird. Like when we're talking about content curation and is it important? I think the more important piece is to be authentic to yourself. The authenticity, yep. Be yourself and people who you're in you you want to come into your office are going to find you and they're going to relate to you and then they're going to refer to you because they trust you. So I feel like the more authentic I became to me, pink hair, nose ring, chaotic, you know, chaotic kuchu kuchu mm -hmm. for what it's worth. Yep. Just chaos sports chiropractor. I've gotten more people that relate to me, that align with me, that make being in practice so much more fun. And then my content can be more chaotic fun because I'm not trying to bring in yeah. everyone. I'm just That's bringing right. in the people that I want to see. Will I take care of everyone? Absolutely. Right. But I don't have to be everybody's perfect chiropractor. Right. And this is the thing, you know, when people want to attack the straight chiropractor beat them up. This is a formula they mastered a long time ago. And you have to look at everybody at what they do good and what they, you don't like that they do. But when you talk about what they do really well in the straight chiropractic world is they carve out these niches based on their personal beliefs and they're very successful at it. Now there might not be personal beliefs that we really like their stance on vaccinations or <laughs> <clears throat> sort of like a religious twist to their practices, you know, but that's the niche that they carve out. Now, where the evidence-informed chiropractor does not excel is that they all open up Sport and Spine Chiropractic LLC PC. They all wear the same khakis and the same shoes. They all wear the same, you know, uh, collared shirt, and they all use the same language, and, and they all follow the same stuff. It's got its pluses, but it's got its minuses. Now, if you want to stand out and not be a commodity, it's obviously a minus. So there's got to be some sort of edge. And you can see this group of evidence-informed chiros when someone's got a little bit of an edge, like they got a little bit of a tattoo on their, on their neck or something like that. You know, they got like a spider coming up their cheek or whatever they, or, you know, they've, they've got like, like a grill or, you know, whatever, a, a unique haircut, you know, you can see them sort of chipping away at them. Like, what's that guy? He's kind of different. What's that girl all about? She's being kind of, kind of odd. It's like, well, those people have the same information you have. They have the same skills you have. 
But now they also have a unique identity where they can start to carve out a niche of patients that respect them, uh, trust them for what they're saying and all that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't knock it at all. I think it's the answer. And it's the purpose for doing uh, content is you create your own people. Yeah, I. it's one of those things that working with roller derby, if no one stepped foot in a roller derby rink or been to a roller derby bout, you don't understand mm -hmm. the glitter, the pageantry, but yet the sheer force of wills as they go around that bout. And it's just a different mentality. Like I have patients that walk in and I mean, they don't, they don't want to be like, oh, my neck hurts. They don't, oh, my back hurts. No, they come in, they're like, first question, I'm allowed to swear, right? Like yes. I can swear. Okay, fabulous. They come in, they're like, I fucked up. And I'm like, how so? Like, well, I was jamming this and I got wrecked into this and I got <laughs> boarded. And I'm like, so what hurts? And they're like, yes. Yes, uh -huh. hurts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, a caveat, the... as a caveat, I was also a roller derby chiropractor for the Portland Rose City Rollers. So anything you say, I know what you're talking about. You know, you know. And, and then being in Minnesota, everything's hockey. Yeah. So people come in and like they take off their shoes and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, my feet smell. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I work with a <laughs> hockey team. You have no idea what smell is. So it's one of those things where my patients come in, they, they, they're authentic with me. They know they can swear at me. I know I can swear back at them. I, I also know, and that's always fun when I have a student interning and like, I have this one, this one patient, hockey, crossfitting, firefighter, like they're a mess each week. What, what's going to be new? And they come in and they're like, so I was doing this, carrying that. And then I went in and my neck's just all fucking wrecked. And I'm like, oh, geez, how's this doing? And my patient's like, wait, we have to be professional. We, right. can, we can't use that language. And it's like, no, you need to meet your patients where they're at. But you also need to be true to you. If you swear in your regular life, as long as you have the patient base that accepts it, be you they're going to send you people and it's so much more fun to be in an environment where you're not pretending to be something you're not right well there's a certain subset of the roller derby population that are you would almost call them first-time athletes so they've been empowered by their friends and been empowered by their social network to try this out and to finally express themselves physically you know whether they've been uh i don't want to use I, i'm suffering for the word not demeaned but um you know, they haven't been empowered through physical activity because they're shaped differently or they behave different. Like they're not the stereotypical athlete. So finally they've been given this outlet to express themselves physically and it's, they're super empowered. Like you can see in their eyes they are charged up. Like they've got this new lease on life to, to be physical. I will <laughs> say Minnesota roller, uh, roller derby and then professional women's football. Ooh. Those are two. Oh yes. I love <laughs> my women's American football players. Uh, those are two categories of you get your first time athletes, but you get people who are just driven. <laughs> they, especially for women's football, they're paying to play. They might be playing $600, $1,200 each year to step on that field to sustain the same injuries that the pros are like, oh, I'd never do this for less money than what I'm making right now. Yeah. So there's just a drive to be on the field. And it is, you have people that do not have 
the aesthetic look that society has said they have to have they're just there to beat the shit out of everybody and i'm like i'll put you back together <laughs> let's go yes yes yep and uh, if you do it rinkside you do have to abdicate any sense of smell if you're doing any any sort of giving anyone attention ringside. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've just and I they do they if... apologize profuse, profusely. Like I, I'm sorry, I smell. I mean, I just saw you skate like two miles, taking an elbow each lap, one elbow, like 15 elbows each lap, and you you're going to complain about how you smell. Let's go, let's do this. <laughs> I think I'm immune. I'm married to a hockey player. And yes, they smell the worst. They're, they're oh just God. the worst. And he he marinades his stuff in the summer, <laughs> so he leaves his gear in the car and washes it like once every three months. Or the worst, when his team, when his hockey teammates complain that he is too Ugh. smelly to be on the bench, so like he'll come home and I'll be like, Ugh. so Ugh. like when when people complain, I'm like, you have no idea the level of tolerance I have for bad mm -hmm. smells. I am fine. Let's go. Let's fix the problem. Well, there's the pieces there. So maybe we bring up our surprise uh, topic right now, because there's a, what you express is a tremendous level of acceptance, acceptance of all types of people. And particularly it works out your way because the people that you're accepting of are the people you would love to take care of uh, with the roller derby culture and it's not just that culture but many cultures you get a vast array of people with different belief systems whether it's their romantic belief systems their gender identity belief systems their political belief systems you have to field all of them and there are some people that field them like i would say i field them because i i consider myself as a clinician very caring and really i really look people in the eyes as like a, a soul thing so i don't really care what the frame is so for me i i'm an accepting person for you i think you express it as this is how it is like this is how it is i'm cool with no matter what you, you, do you understand the distinction there like, i do there's a difference between like you do you and I will be okay with it versus I'm going to advocate and fight for you. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure when you step in my space, you know, this space is so safe and happy and just a space that you can be you without any, like, you can tell me exactly what's going on. Like I had probably one of, I had a patient come in recently. Uh, they're a trans mask individual and they were like, please just understand, I wanna show you cause I'm so excited. And they were showing how their body has transformed over the last six months of being on testosterone and just how proud, like nothing was shown, but they had uh, pasties on covering uh, their chest. And they were like, look at how much I've modified. Look at how masculine I look, look how proud I am. And they felt like my space was a space they could share that. Yeah. So yes, my ideal patient is an LGBTQ plus, trans or non-binary athlete, those are my people that I want to get them in, get them into their sport and get them healing. So, oh, Bobby, you just opened a can of worms. Well, see, so this is the thing where like, I wouldn't consider myself an advocate. I, I think I would, I do create the same safe space. And if you practice in Portland, Oregon and you don't, I mean, I think you're going to have a hard time <laughs> if you can't create that same safe space and a, a space for open communication and understanding and safety is probably the primary, you know, the most important that this is a safe place for you to be and a safe place for you to communicate. 
but if and and I think a vast majority of people with uh, what, what I don't even know what you would call it, like different identities, you know, I don't want to get into LGBTQIA. I don't get like they just have a different lifestyle approach than the norm. Like there, there's what 80% of those people will go into a normal chiropractor's office. They will receive standard service. They'll be fine. They won't need specialized attention from where they feel like they need to communicate in a certain way. And then they'll be out the door. They'll get great results. There's 20% of the people that need to have someone like you in the community where you can identify, yes, this person is uh, LGBT, LGBTQIA and they need they need someone who's really going to be able to like, that's the primary driver of their pain, you know, biopsychosocial aspect. That's the primary driver, not the actual musculoskeletal pain. I need to, I need to refer them to Dr. McDonald. She'll go that extra mile. So I've had patients like that. I had a patient once she was a, a young lady, her father seemed very, very protective of her. So he really, really cared about her. The mother was a physician and tried to basically diagnosed her into hypochondria to try to fix all the problems. And it's like, this is a special circumstance that is beyond my, my level of caring because now this young person needs an advocate. And so I had to try to find her somebody in the advocacy world that can help her because helping her with her musculoskeletal pain was not going to, it wasn't solving the thing. And that was meted out through yellow flag questionnaires and other things of that nature where it's like, this is not, this is not me. I'm not the, I'm not the savior here. Um, I think the point here is from my, from my even bringing it up is when I brought it up, if you're not watching this video, somebody's eyes just lit up like Betty boob, shiny bang. <laughs> and if you don't have an audience like that, like an audience that you can cry for an audience that you would die for, then we we're going all the way back to step one, which is the why, right? Like you're doing all this stuff because you have a why. And that's what I think needs to be celebrated the most here, because that why saves some lives here in the process. Oh, they are definitely my why. That yeah. population is just a group because I've had, I've just watched people get crushed when they're told no. Sure. So it's, it's become one of those things that when I graduated, and it wasn't something that I was even interested in necessarily, that population wasn't something I was even aware of that sounds weird but right. i it wasn't something talked about in school it wasn't something taught i had to learn on the fly when i so after graduating i did a two-year sports fellowship at northwestern and i was partnered with the minnesota vixen which is a professional women's football team they are a flagship team they've been around for 23 or 24 years now oh. they're the longest running women's football team that consistently has fielded a team every single year minus 2020 when no one fielded a team. So they have a history. And then I get on this team and I have a huge population of LGBTQ plus and I have non-binary athletes and I have trans athletes and I'm going, um, I don't know the health concerns. I don't know how to communicate and not cause gender dysphoria. I don't know how to make this space safe. And I just went on a hunt for content and no one was talking about it in the chiropractic field. Right. There wasn't continuing ed available. There wasn't anything. And the director at the time, Dr. Tim Stark, he looked at me and he was like, mm -hmm. create the content. Yeah. 
And I was like, huh, what <laughs> you want me to, you want me to do what? So I started curating and creating content. There are other people speaking on it now, but in the sports realm, uh, there isn't as much. So I'm building content to help people understand, like when you have an athlete, let's say you have a trans masculine athlete and they're trying to bind while performing, what are the risks to that athlete using a binder to compress their chest so that they yes. appearances wise do not cause themselves harm, but are they physically causing themselves harm? Are we working with a trans feminine who is working on getting their blood work a certain way so that they qualify for the event they want to be participating in and are they and what are the requirements for that event and it's just playing within those realms of making sure that they have the support and then helping them find members of their care team i can't be the be all end all for these athletes because i can't prescribe hormones but I can definitely make sure that they find a provider that is safe and healthy for them. I can help them find a plastic surgeon for when they, if they want to pursue medical transitioning in any way, shape or form. It, it's one of those things, can I find a space where they can get the care they need and I'm just a member of their team that helps them do what they need. Yeah, totally, absolutely, that's powerful. And I do think for the average chiropractor, if you are gonna encounter uh, a the, the most likely encounter you'll have with a transgendered patient is probably around the binders. It's probably because it's so musculoskeletally tied, you know, it's a structural thing that physically limits the range of motion of the thoracic spine. So you're going to, if you're going to encounter anything, it's probably going to be around that. So people need to be aware of that, that situation and how it presents. Uh, the irony here is I am a, a portly, slightly chubby, uh, tall, bald, uh, now over the hill, so 40, 40 year old plus white guy, straight, <laughs> with children and a retirement account. And I did a diversity talk for the American Chiropractic Association. This was a talk that you should have done. And this is a talk that I will make sure that you do in the future. It was, uh, it, it was um, sort of like building the bridge between, between understanding different people and how to still make rehab appropriate for all of them. Uh, and I think, I think it's okay for me to give that presentation because I can give it to people would listen to me from a cis white male point of view, like, okay, I'm gonna listen to this guy talk about different populations and then hopefully sort of lead them into it versus if somebody with purple hair and a mohawk said, hey, come, you, you guys are all wrong for being straight. So you need to listen to this stuff about diversity uh, they got a diversity talk from, it was like a Trojan horse. I Trojan horse in a diversity talk during a rehab talk, but in the future, you know, you have to have people who understand the community much better than I do. Um, and I, think I just know how talk, to be fair. I don't think that talk can be given by one person. Right. There, you need people to well, come How about this? From, we'll tag team it. Well, you need someone like me who comes in it from like a sports medicine but a sports medicine for the LGBTQ plus, but you also probably need a member of the LGBTQ plus. Yes. To, yep. to speak about what's going on with them. You also yep. need members of uh, different religions. You need yeah. individuals that have different cultural backgrounds. <clears throat> you need more than just one person. You almost need a diversity panel right. to effectively cover that topic and actually get to the root of the problem. 
Yeah. And, uh, and that was, I tried to outline that, of course, like, look, this is what, this is what intersectionality is. So it's not, uh, we're all part of the intersectionality conversation. If you go far enough down the tree, you're going to find something that you are a unique and oppressed individual about. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, so we're all, we're all oppressed at some level. Unless, I mean, look, even Elon Musk is getting oppressed by uh, Senator Warren. So everyone gets, <laughs> everyone gets oppressed at some level. So you have to, that's why we're all part of this big soup together. Uh, so you shouldn't really like, uh, I guess, disparage one person or I don't know. Let's disparage everyone. Sometimes I'm on that level. Like, let's just disparage all of them. It's funner that way. Like, it was it, much funner when my Korean friends and my Mexican friends, I grew up in, I was the only white kid in my whole neighborhood. Like, my name in, in elementary school was white boy. Like, they, no one even knew my name. And it was a farming community in Central California. And I was the only white kid. And, and it was like, the Mexicans could make fun of it. Like, we could all make fun of each other and the Koreans and the, this and that and the other. And we had, we had uh, gay friends and we had, girls in our crew we had you know everyone made fun of everyone and that was fun you just can't do it anymore now i'm upset about it <laughs> everybody gets super offended by everything we need to go back to when we could say things but i think it, it all comes from intent because when yeah. you were teasing each other you weren't trying to harm you still love you were, that person and yeah. we're we've gotten past that to where we're not actually conveying love through teasing right where we're really intending to harm the person and right. i think that's where culturally we've shifted yeah and you can't the context is gone where you can't i mean the the the, the pool of the world i mean social media changes it because now you can't read the intent there is no love on social media so it's it's like it's not going to work that way and that's the reality so there's no need for my boomer ass to be complaining about it i was still making i was making fun of my korean friend last night and he's making fun of me so we're still my elder friends. millennial ass will sit here and curmudgeon at you. The uh, last topic was going to be um, being a lone wolf, but that's like we could go on for another hour or two about being a lone wolf. I think you've mastered your little piece of the world. I, I've got, I think lone wolves come down into two sort of categories. There are lone wolves that have to be lone wolves because they've got nowhere else to go. And then there are people who do it by choice. Uh, and then sometimes there's the folks that, you know, in your trajectory as in your career trajectory, I'm sure you've had um, classmates that you graduated with that don't even practice anymore. Uh, there's plenty that have become parents and they're part-time and, you know, there's bigger sacrifices they have to make in life. But you seem to be personifying and symbolizing the lone wolf who is doing it by choice and by passion. And I think that you could be a guiding light for a lot of chiropractors and they should have questions that they can direct towards you so if they wanted to reach out to you and ask you any questions and we already know you're a great mentor you're still connected to your school right like most chiropractors you just can't help yourself you got to set up an office somewhere near school and no one no one can get away from their too far from their campuses i'm eight minutes away from northwestern yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if people wanted to reach out to you for mentorship or maybe they are having some sort of challenge of their own um, or they're not feeling heard or they're not feel, feeling safe to communicate as a, as a person or a chiropractor, uh, I think you're a fair uh, and excellent choice for someone to reach out to on that level as well. Uh, so where can they reach out to you at? So they can find me on, uh, they can email me directly at macperformance.clinic at gmail.com. 
They can reach out on Instagram at MacP underscore clinic or on Facebook at Mobility Agility Chiropractic Performance. I respond as quickly as I can. I have students. I always tell my students when, so I teach at Northwestern uh, in the emergency procedures realm. I tell them I'm more than just a boo-boo band-aids provider. I do things, please reach out. Very few have taken advantage of that. I do have one that uh, was like, I'm taking full advantage of that to the point that I'm now helping him partner with a baseball academy because I, I recognize I need to take some time and not burn myself out. I need to focus and share the wealth. I trust this kid. I know he will represent me well. I'm fine with partnering him with this academy that he can build his practice off of. And yeah, as a lone wolf, it's not for everybody. You, you have some weird hours when you do it that way, but I love the fact that it gives me the freedom if I need to step away from my office for a month and go travel with a team i don't have to worry about front desk staff i don't have to worry about anything my patients understand what's going on i do have one pseudo thing my husband's a strength and conditioning coach so he trains clients out of the mini gym i have attached to my clinic so it's a lone wolf with husband there's always context there's always (laughs) there's always something right the main point is you got to keep that wine rack you got in the background replenished on a constant basis you'll be just fine well what you don't see is the whiskey rack in front of me because (laughs) this this is how our family rolls and finally on a personal note i want to say i appreciate you and the work you do as an ftca moderator so what most people do not know about the ftca because it's always me talking and posting and blabbing and all that the founder or whatever like i'm some sort of dd palmer like i like i'm growing honey in my backyard and you're the mythical unicorn. So the mythical but own your title. The Tyler Durden of the whole fight club here. Uh, <laughs> is that there's a large team behind that help make sure things happen, keep an eye on everybody, make sure that there's no shenanigans going on with the FTCA and give it a more uh, level-headed, equal, equally based approach. Uh, and you are one of those people that is highly appreciated as a team member. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. It has been so much fun over the last. It's been a ride, baby. It's it been it a ride. has been. Oh, <laughs> I, I've been in the FTCA back when it was the DDS, and uh-huh. to see the growth and the changes. Oh my gosh! I don't think people who join now appreciate how far it's come. Yeah, I haven't had a death threat in like years, so it's pretty good. <laughs> um, best podcast I've done so far. Uh, in 2021 and to date this podcast it was the last podcast of 2021 so you finished the podcast goal strong and you you've inspired me to do it again in 2022 because i like you i got burnt out and i just stopped doing it for a while so we're gonna come back strong bobby thank you this was so much fun yeah i had no idea what we were gonna chat about and i'm so happy we went the direction we did yeah i like it that way totally unpredictable uh, but I've got I've got your best interest in mind. I would never I would never flame you out on a recording in a live stream. Uh, nah. But uh, we you know when we met uh, the first time we met, and then when I saw you again, we've met like two times. I want to say three times, but my memory is not that strong. It's at least twice. Uh, but but every time I meet you, I just know that you're you're in the game. Like you're really into what you're doing. You're a professional. You sit in the front row at events and you take notes and you listen and you apply. Uh, and you are a shining example of what it means to be an FTCA doctor. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>